Okay, welcome back you lot to Sporthawk Sound. My name's Harry and today we are going to be talking about the Africa Cup of Nations, Sebastian Haller and everything that's been going on in the last couple of weeks to do with that competition. It's been a pretty crazy tournament. So whether you followed every single game of the AFCON or you missed it completely, you're in the right place. But first, I want to have a little chat about Mikel Arteta. Okay, so this is something that I've just been thinking about a little bit and I wanted to talk about it and get your opinions on it as well because it's been popping up quite a lot and it's be kind of become a little bit of a meme, this whole Mikel Arteta celebrating with the Arsenal fans with the fist pump, the Jurgen Klopp-esque fist pump at the end of the game after their 3-1 win against Liverpool. And that might be the reason why this is a contentious topic and why Liverpool fans got so upset by it. But I don't really understand this. I know Jurgen Klopp was the first guy to go up to his fans and do this whole way, way, way thing. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think he was the first person to popularise it and he's known for it. It's known, it's almost like a trademark of him. And Liverpool fans, after losing that game to Arsenal a couple of weeks ago, are obviously going to be a little bit annoyed when they see Mikel Arteta doing Jurgen Klopp's thing when they're in the stadium. I, I, I can kind of understand that, but... I don't know why him doing it caused such a big outrage. Why this time? Why is this the time where people got upset about it? He does have this, maybe a little bit of a vibe about him where, I don't know. I, I, do you know what? If you actually were to write down a reason why he's unlikable, I don't think there's any like crazy reasons for it because you could say it's about him moaning or shouting at the referee, but pretty much every single manager in the league does that is it just because he is the Arsenal manager and any team that is in the big six always has criticism of their manager or their players from other teams in the big six or other fans of the teams in the big six so I don't really know why but maybe that's the reason maybe it's just because Mikel Arteta has a bit of a vibe about him that people don't like and especially when you've just lost to his team you're not gonna like it but for whatever reason, if you like Mikel Arteta or you don't like him, why was it this time that him doing a celebration with the fans, why has it now become this huge, great thing? Because I've been going to games for a long time and various managers of clubs I've seen have done the exact same thing. When Ralph Hasenhutl was at Southampton, for example, he used to do this. Russell Martin does this at Southampton now. So, and that's obviously just from one club. This actually has nothing to do with whether you like him or not. I'm just confused why it became such a big issue and now why people are joking about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to make a little podcast about it and talk about whether he did the wrong thing. Is it is it bad that he did this celebration that Jurgen Klopp did when Liverpool is in the vicinity of the stadium? No, come on. Like, you know what? grow up. No, <laughs> this isn't me telling all Liverpool fans to grow up. I don't think that all Liverpool fans have a problem with it. It just seemed to cause a bit of an outrage and maybe I've missed something. If I have, I'm sorry. It just seems like a weird thing to take an issue with. There was a lot of talk around the way that Mikel Arteta celebrated, but is that not, is that not normal? Maybe as a neutral, it's different. It just seemed like a weird thing to take an issue with at this particular time. But yeah, like I said, maybe I've missed something. Feel free to let me know and tell me why I have taken the wrong side in this argument. But it just feels like this is the same celebration that 20 other managers do each week in the football league. So, yeah, I, I, I don't really I don't really get it. 
But anyway, what does it even matter? Arsenal won the game. Liverpool lost the game. I was a bit disappointed because I think Liverpool are more likely to win the Premier League than Arsenal. And I want any team that isn't Man City to win it. And that's not... Look, I've talked about this before. It's not even because I don't like Man City. I think they're great. They've got the best manager in the world. They've got some of the best players in the world. I just, you know, like to see an upset sometimes. But that's besides the point. Let me know if I've missed something here. Why are people so upset that Mikko Arteta did Jurgen Klopp's kind of celebration? The memes that have come from it are quite funny, though. Seeing all these things about, don't celebrate with the fans, go down the tunnel immediately. We've only won one game, you know, that, that kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. It, it, who cares? Who cares? Just to make it clear, I'm not calling out all Liverpool fans. Just, you know, I know what it's like and how it feels after you lose a crucial match. So I understand some frustrations there. I also just watched a little replay of the actual celebrations. And I think what people are more upset with was not him doing the Jurgen Klopp thing. It's just him running out of his technical area. But again, I don't think that makes a difference. Pretty much all managers do that. So you know what? It really just isn't a big deal, is it? So let's just move on. This section of the podcast should be a little bit more interesting for those of you who aren't Liverpool or Arsenal fans. Because I want to talk about the Ivory Coast and Sebastian Haller, their whole story. They, they've had this crazy Africa Cup of Nations this year. And whether you're into the AFCON or whether you're not, it's still a great story. So let me just set the scene. The 2024 Africa Cup of Nations was set in the Ivory Coast. And the home team were in high spirits going into the tournament. They'd had some good wins coming into the tournament. Mainly a 9-0 win against Seychelles. They also beat Gambia and Sierra Leone. But I don't think this team has really been tested for a long time. They got a 1-1 draw against Morocco, who were on a very good run of form. But that was back in October. At this kind of time, they also played South Africa, who were semi-finalists in the AFCON. In that game, they got another 1-1 draw. And this South Africa side, like I said, they got to the semi-finals of the AFCON and only lost to Nigeria on penalties. But they did end up finishing third as well. So they're not a bad side. And, and actually, just looking at the game that... South Africa played against the Ivory Coast back in October. That, to my knowledge, and from the information that I have on my t on my phone, there was only two shots in that game, and the game finished one one. And I think that's impressive in itself. But this game was pretty pretty relevant to the story that I'm telling you right now, because what I'm actually trying to tell you is this: Ivory Coast haven't really played many tough games in quite a long time. But regardless of that, they were coming in with a little bit of good form. They hadn't lost many games last year. They had picked up some good results albeit in friendly matches. But in general, this Ivory Coast squad is extremely strong. And there is a lot of players in this squad that if you're a fan of European football, you will recognise. They have ex-Tottenham player Serge Aurier and their two centre-backs is Kasunu from Bayer Leverkusen and Indica from Roma. Their midfield options are really good as well. They have Seku Fofana and actually he might be a topic for a different day because he now plays for El Etifak. But if you are a follower of French football, you might have been aware that this guy moved from Lons to Cristiano Ronaldo's team, Al Nasser. And that was only in the summer, where he was tipped for big moves to a lot of European clubs. And he was definitely one of the most in-demand centre midfielders in the world, or especially in Europe. Like, he was, he was really great for Lons last year. So, Seco Fofana moved to Al Nasser in a, around May or June of last summer then played six months at Al Nasser and is now playing at Al Atifak. And he's actually just on loan there. He's gone on loan from Al Nasser to Al Atifak, which is a bit confusing. But when you find out that the Saudi government
government owns the majority of teams in the Saudi Pro League, it makes a lot more sense that they just loan between the clubs that they own. But anyway, Seko Fofana is a really good midfielder. They also have Jean-Michel Serri, who is a very interesting one. Another guy who was playing in France for a long time when he was at Nice, was really heavily linked for a move to Barcelona, but ended up at Fulham and is now playing at Hull. And then they do actually have a former Barca midfielder and Frank Kessie, who many of you will be aware of. He also spent a long time at AC Milan where he was brilliant. And before that, he was at Atalanta. Then on the right wing, they have Max Gradle, who many of you will know from Leicester, Bournemouth, Toulouse, St. Etienne. He's been around the block, this guy. And then one I was really, really excited to see playing this competition was Adingra from Brighton. You might know him if you play FPL and he's one of those budget players that you can get in and cover the Brighton attack. He's only 22 years old and he's really kicked on in the Premier League this season. And let me just tell you right now, spoiler, he had a great game in the AFCON final. He actually was the man of the match as he got two assists in this game. And I just think that that's really good to see. So big up Simon Adingra. But the main guy that I actually want to talk about today, the player who will now come up every single time you talk about the 2024 AFCON, of course, is former Frankfurt, West Ham and Ajax striker who now plays for Borussia Dortmund. It's Sebastian Haller, the man, the myth. And this is just one of the beautiful stories that sometimes football will just pop up out of nowhere. And I don't think there's anyone outside of Nigeria who's not really super happy for him. So let me just rewind the clock slightly. And for those of you who don't know, let me just give you a little bit of background about who this guy is and why he is so special. So Sebastian Haller popped up at Frankfurt. He's been at a couple different clubs before then, but his partnership with Luka Jovic, who you might remember, moved to Real Madrid and completely flopped there. But, we, you know, let's not talk about that too much. This was the season in 2019 where both of these guys came out and got themselves big moves to European clubs. Well, Luka Jovic went to Real Madrid and Sebastian Haller moved to the Premier League to West Ham. But this was around the time that Sebastian Haller was becoming really well known. He was quite a prolific goal scorer at this time, but he was also quite known as a facilitator for Luka Jovic. In this season, in the last season at Frankfurt in the 2018-19 year, he scored 15 goals and scored 9 assists, which, like I said, then earned him a move to West Ham. And at the time, this was a great signing for the Hammers. But to be honest, it just... It just didn't really work out. He did okay. Like He scored 14 goals in around 54 games for the Hammers whilst he was in London. But it just wasn't really what people were expecting of him. And West Ham do seem to have this almost like a curse like they have at Chelsea as well, where any number nine who's not Mikel Antonio just doesn't really seem to ever kick on and reach their full potential, I guess. So at this point, this was until about 2021, Sebastian Haller attempted to revitalize his career and he actually moved to Ajax in the winter transfer window. I think at this point, you could kind of have described him as damaged goods. He wasn't as valuable as he was before. West Ham were always going to lose a lot of money on him because he just didn't return what he was expected to. He wasn't really the kind of player that West Ham thought they were signing. But in retrospect, this was the perfect move for the Ivorian forward who absolutely took over at the Dutch champions. Get this, 66 games, 47 goals. In his first full season at Ajax, he scored 34 goals and got nine assists in 43 games. And that is just a crazy result. So the guy's back. He's back. He's better than ever. And at the end of the 21-22 season, he earns a move to Borussia Dortmund. This really was the perfect opportunity for Haller to get back into one of Europe's top five leagues and to play for one of the top teams in that division. 
And we've all witnessed how well Sebastian Haller can play in the Bundesliga and in the Eredivisie. So he has a proven track record, but this was never going to be an easy job. And that is because Haller at the time was replacing a little-known striker who moved to Manchester City called Erling Haaland. You might not know this guy, but he scored a lot of goals whilst playing in the Bundesliga. I don't know what he's managed to go on and do now, but whilst he was at Borussia Dortmund, he was scoring about a goal a game. So these were big shoes to fill. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> obviously you, you should be able to tell that I'm joking. But either way, you should know that there was actually a lot of pressure on the forward to take over from Erling Haaland and replace some, if not all, of that output that they were getting from the Norwegian. But at this point in his career, things are already starting to look up. He'd had a little bit of a dip at West Ham, but everything was looking good now. He'd made a good move to a great club at Borussia Dortmund. He'd scored loads and loads of goals at Ajax, but he'd signed for the German club, one of the most well-known and best-supported clubs in Europe. So everything is great. But in July 2022, only a little while after signing in the same month, Sebastian Haller was actually diagnosed with testicular cancer. One of the club doctors found a tumour and this was after he passed his medical. After he got the tumour removed, his wife Priscilla came out and said that it was a nightmare. As I'm sure many of you can imagine, those of you who have been affected by cancer, whether it's yourself or your loved ones, it's a really, really horrible thing to go through. But the player soon went through chemotherapy and he actually just never lost sight of football. It's reported that he was still doing simple exercises whilst he was stuck in hospital. But Haller went through six months, two operations and multiple chemotherapy cycles to get back to playing. And after all that, he was back training for Borussia Dortmund. And then if we just fast forward from that time, 13 months later, he scored a second half winner at the AFCON to take his nation to the 2024 Africa Cup of Nations final. And that in itself is absolutely amazing. He actually had an ankle injury at the start of the tournament, so didn't get to play in the group stages. And then on Sunday night, the Ivory Coast played Nigeria in the final. And this is a really strong Nigeria team. I would maybe argue stronger on paper than the Ivory Coast. The Eagles boast players like Osman from Napoli, Chuck Wazy, Adonoma Lookman from Atalanta, Alex Awobi from Fulham, Ola Aina, who's now playing at Nottingham Forest, and also Calvin Bassey as well. So this is a really strong matchup for the final. Nigeria find themselves 1-0 up at halftime. But a strong second half spurred on by their home crowd, the Ivory Coast, get a goal from Frank Kessie. And then in the 81st minute, Sebastian Haller pops up with a header to win the whole thing. And yeah, the Ivory Coast win the game 2-1. Absolute scenes. And it's just great to see a player who's been through so much and worked so hard to be where he's at right now to have that moment for himself that he scored the goal that won his country, the biggest football competition in Africa, in front of a stadium full of fans who absolutely love him. And for those of you who don't really follow this competition, this is the equivalent of the Euros. And you could almost argue that this tournament is even more significant for African clubs than the Euros is for any European side. So this is a massive deal. And it's just a really great story. I'm really happy for him. And this is the kind of thing that they'll probably will make a documentary about someday. And I will definitely be watching it. And one other thing before I go, I do just want to talk about the Ivory Coast side itself and just the weird tournament that they had. Because yes, now they are crowned champions, but it really didn't seem like that was going to be the case for a long time in this tournament. The Elephants had a ridiculously bad group stage. They actually had the biggest defeat a tournament host has ever had in the Africa Cup of Nations when they lost 4-0 to Equatorial Guinea. 
This was also the worst loss that a host nation has had at a major FIFA tournament since Germany beat Brazil 7-1 at the World Cup all the way back in 2014, 10 years ago. They actually lost two out of three of their group stage matches and finished third in their table. They also did actually have Nigeria in their group as well, which is funny because it came full circle. But it was only a 2-0 win against Guinea-Bissau that managed to get them through as a best third place team. So it wasn't even a guarantee that they get through the group. And before it was announced that they did actually get through as one of the best third place teams, they did sack their manager mid-tournament. So they're on home soil. They've only won one game. They're not even sure if they're going to get through the group stage and they sacked their manager. Apparently there was riotings with cars and shops getting burnt. And on his 40th birthday, Immerse I think that's how you pronounce it, the former Reading midfielder was announced as their interim coach. And he's never been a head coach before. And he wasn't even sure when he was taking the job whether he would be leading the team into another Africa Cup of Nations game. He didn't know whether they were out of the competition. And the only reason the Ivory Coast made it to the knockout stages of the AFCON was because Ghana conceded twice in injury time against Mozambique and Zambia lost to Morocco. So it was almost a miracle that this side even made it into the knockout round. And then it actually took until the semi-finals of the competition for the Elephants to win their second game of the tournament in 90 minutes as they beat Senegal on penalties. And they also then went on to beat Mali in the 122nd minute with a super late winner from Diakite from Rem. Then we know they went on to beat the Democratic Republic of Congo with a Seb Haller goal, and then obviously into the final with Nigeria that we talked about already. But it was just a crazy tournament. And that is the beauty of the AFCON, because you never know really what's going to happen. And that is why we love it, and why if you didn't watch it this time, you should definitely watch it in a couple of years' time when it's back. Because it's unlike any other tournament that you're ever going to watch in football. So make sure in 2026 you whack on the AFCON. Actually, I don't know if it's going to be 2020, 2026 or 2025. I, I had it in my head that it was on odd numbers, but actually we're in 2024 now. Whatever. When the AFCON is back, whack it on, enjoy it and take in the magic moments because there's loads of them in this tournament. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this kind of story time episode. This really did feel like the perfect time to talk about this story. And hopefully we'll go on and see Seb Haller score plenty of goals for Bristol Dortmund for many seasons to come. So I think I'm going to wrap it up there. If you did enjoy this episode about the AFCON and Sebastian Haller, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and maybe share this episode to one of your friends or your family. It really does help us out. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. My name's Harry and I'll be back very soon with another episode of Sporthawk Sound.